0: Our uh, speaker, Doug, was just telling me that a student uh, that he taught at Liberty University actually wrote that song right there. So, beautiful song. Hey, so here's the deal. Uh, I thought about Doug and Jane, our our speakers here. And, uh, you know, when I gave my life to the the Lord, God uh, was really good to me in that he made sure I had some great mentors in my life. Some of those mentors uh, have long died and gone to be with the Lord. People like Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon is a a mentor of mine, though he's dead, been dead for a long time. But he mentors me through his sermons, the books that he wrote, those kinds of things. A man like J. Vernon McGee, he continues to mentor me through his messages and those kinds of things, though he is with the Lord right now. I have a number of mentors who I've never met who are still alive, but they've written books. I can listen to their podcasts, those kinds of things, and they are mentors in my life. But then I also have mentors. Some of, uh, of them are in this room who I know personally and I meet with and I talk with and we discuss uh, family issues, biblical things, whatever all those things might be, and all of us need to have mentors in our lives, people who, um, you know, are helping us along the journey of of faith. And early on, uh, I had the chance to go back to Liberty University and be a part of the college back there as a young youth pastor. And it's where I met Doug and Jane. In fact, I stayed at their home. Now, they, they didn't know me at first, and they had a beautiful log cabin there in Virginia, and they were just delightful people. I got to meet their two sons who were just, I don't know, maybe in high school then. One of their sons, Mark, ends up being our sound technician here for about, I don't know, seven or eight years. You remember Mark and Christy? Scott, their other son, came out here after he graduated from college and was an intern and is now uh, basically the senior pastor of a church in, in, uh, in the Virginia area. And uh, Doug and Jane have been friends for a long, 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 long time, decades. Uh, they came out, and on Friday, all of the elders and our wives uh, got together, and uh, we together all day, fellowshipping, laughing. We were in the scriptures. Doug was kind of sharing some thoughts. Jane shared some thoughts with the wives, and it was just a, a great time. And so he's our first of uh, some special speakers we'll have here in June, and once you to get your pencils out, get them ready. This is a fantastic message. Welcome, my friend Doug Randler. Will you do that? Okay.
1: I haven't had any caffeine today, and I'm still cranked. What can I say? Uh, I love this church, people. This church is great. This is just a great church. You need to know it. I travel uh, for the last. Actually, I guess it's been 50 years now I've been in ministry, and I've been traveling the country periodically from coast to coast, and this, without a doubt, is one of my favorite places to come to. Uh, Just what a great church you have here. And Friday, I was reminded why this is such a great church, because God has blessed you with some amazing spiritual leaders. Do you know that? Your elders here are just a notch above. And uh, the... uh, the pastoral team, the executive pastoral team was there. They're just, they're, they're fun to be around for one thing, but, and of course, Rick, you know, he's crazy. Uh, he doesn't know it, so don't tell him, all right? He thinks, that's, he thinks what he is is normal. Uh, uh, but boy, what an amazing pastor. You people are so blessed that God has dropped him in this ministry here and allowed him to uh, share with you a vision that God gives to him and to preach that vision and to lead you to uh, spiritual growth and to impact this community and this surrounding area and build a great team around them. It's my privilege uh, to, to be with you. Uh, Jane and I on Friday, with. El- okay, how many, how many in here have been married 50 years? Anybody been married 50 years? Er- okay, we got several. Friday, Jane and I were married 50. Now listen, where were you on your 50th wedding anniversary? Were you with an elder's retreat? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had our bucket list. What do we want to do for our 50th anniversary? We, go to the, we started on our 25th anniversary, 25th. We took our first trip to the Caribbean. We thought, well, and we've been going there off and on ever since. So we thought our 50th, we're going to the Caribbean. That's what we're going to do. We have friends, missionary friends, that live just outside Paris, France, and we went and visited them a couple years ago. Wow, a romantic city. What a place to take your wife on the 50th, right? Go to Paris, I mean, that is the place. Her nephew calls us from the island of Kauai. Have you ever been out to Kauai? There is no more beautiful island in the world than Kauai. And asked me to speak Friday night at their high school graduation, where he's the administrator. No, not me. I'm taking my wife to the Hampton Inn in Salida, California for our 50th wedding anniversary. (laughs) And and I'm supposed to be an intelligent man. Don't tell them at Liberty University at Thomas Road Baptist Church. I mean, this is a man that should do better than that, so uh, I'm gonna make up for it today. Rick graciously got us a place up at Yosemite for a couple days. We lived in Fresno from 67 to 69. We just got married in 66 and we were just married a year and we moved down to Fresno. And it was so different than back east. Any of you from back east or you've been back there enough to know that California is just a whole different world than uh, topography and so forth and climate. And so it would be like 75 degrees after church on Sunday morning and we would get in our car and we'd drive up to Kings Canyon and the high Sierras there in Yosemite and we'd be in four and five feet of snow in the afternoon. And we just kind of fell in love with all that and I thought, what a great thing that God allowed us I really feel this was a spiritual thing. We talked about it, wasn't it a great way to spend our 50th anniversary just serving God? Wow, we will remember that forever, that we had the opportunity to do that, just not, we're gonna goof off, but we're gonna goof off a few days later and so we're thrilled to be able to spend a a couple days up at Yosemite and we'll sure we'll have a good time there. Uh, Talk to the elders and the pastoral staff just about their responsibility that God has placed upon them an anointed and ordained them to be spiritual leaders, not only in the context of this church, but in the context of life. I want to carry that over to you because sometimes you have a misunderstanding. You have the feeling that, well, our elders and our pastor are supposed to be spiritual leaders, and we're supposed to do this. Come on, boys. Lead it. Leaders, you'd be the spiritual leaders. And yet, I know from a biblical standpoint that if God's called you to be a believer, a Christ follower, with that calling is the calling to be a spiritual leader. Did you know that? You can't separate it. Jesus was a servant leader, and when he calls us to follow him, we are to what? Follow his example, and therefore, it's incumbent upon all of us to be servant leaders. I'm gonna use it in the term of a spiritual leaders. Let me give you a little bit of the back story. We're gonna talk about Simon Peter. We're gonna eventually get to John chapter 21, but a little bit of the back story. I want you to see how Simon Peter got to this, the, the, the situation that's happening in John chapter 21, which is a little bit sad, but we'll get it all straightened out. It's gonna be happy, sad, happy, okay? We'll put the sad in the middle. In... Uh, in, in uh, Luke chapter five, if you want to look there, you can look there, you don't have to, but but I'm going to give you the Doug Randlett version of Luke chapter five. In Luke chapter five, Jesus is along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowds were gathering to hear Jesus preach, and there were so many people there, there was no room for him along the shoreline, and so he had to step out and get in a boat, and of all the boats that he picked, he picked Simon Peter's boat to sit down in and teach the people, and after he taught the people, he told Simon Peter, why don't you, push the boat out of the water and get a great catch today. And Peter's like, Lord, you don't understand. We were out there all night long and guess what we caught? Zippo. But if you insist, if you insist, who am I to tell the Lord? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll take the boat out there and catch some fish. So Simon and his partner went out there. They put down the nets, and they caught so many fish they couldn't hold them all. So he yells in on the shoreline to James and John who were with them, and says, you need to get out here in a hurry. The fish are all over the place. And so James and John go out there. They catch a bunch of fish too. They got two truckloads of fish, whatever you call it, all right? They bring them into shore. They're gonna bring them into shore. And Simon Peter is so affected by this when he sees Jesus, listen to what he says to Jesus. He says, Jesus, depart from me. I'm too sinful of a man. I'm too sinful of a man to be around you. Isn't that amazing how his heart was turned when Jesus told him to go out there and catch some fish and he trusted what Jesus said. Jesus fulfilled his promise and Peter's response was, is you need to get away from me. I'm just too sinful of a man. Now you gotta love the heart of Jesus though. You know what Jesus said to him? Simon, I'm not departing. And I don't want you to go anywhere because what I'm doing is I'm calling you to no longer be a fisher of fish, but I want you to be a fisher of men. Did you hear that? What what a great story. And listen to what the Bible says. In Luke chapter five, verse 11, it says, and those boys, including Simon Peter, they forsook all and did what? Followed him. Listen, you gotta get this because that's a strong scripture. This was the calling out of the first disciples. And they forsook all to follow him. So they embraced the call to be spiritual leaders in that moment right there. Now, fast forward with me three and a half years. We're now in the book of John, John chapter 18. Jesus is taken captive and he's about to be crucified, all right? You remember the story? He's in the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, and eventually, he's going to go to the cross. And he says to Peter, Peter, before this night is over, you will do what? Deny me. How many times? Three, Three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, in John chapter 18, Peter says, Now I don't know. I'm not with him. <laughs> not me. No, 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 no. My speech doesn't betray me. I'll even curse if I have to to prove that I'm not part of him. No, I, I, I just happen to be around here, you know? It's not, three times, a new rooster crows. Three and a half years later, he forsook, forsook all to follow him. And this day, he forsook Jesus. The word forsook fits in both, to follow him and forsook in denying him, wow. So in John chapter 20, Jesus is crucified. He's now resurrected, so he's in his resurrection body. Simon Peter and all his buddies, they're in the upper room, and Jesus shows up and appears to them. And he doesn't say, listen to this, listen to this. Now, Simon Peter had denied him. Wouldn't you think the first thing he would say when he saw the resurrected Lord is, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, please forgive me, I can't believe I denied you. Peter didn't say a word, and Jesus didn't say anything. Eight days later, when Thomas says, You gotta prove to me that this Jesus is alive. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not believing. Jesus shows up a second time. Now, surely by now, we're several days later, Peter's had time to think this over, pray about it. You would think that this time he would say, Jesus, forgive me. Please forgive me. I can't believe that I denied you, that I forsook you. Nope, didn't say a word. Nor does Jesus say anything. Appeared twice. Now, when we go to chapter 21 today, that's where we're going to go, I need to sit down on this stool because Rick said, I'll have this stool and I'll never sit in it, so I need to prove him wrong. Now I feel better. He wanted to know why I have this stool up. You know why I have this stool I get so cranked. I get so wired that I sit down for a couple seconds just so I can catch my own breath. I get tired of hearing myself just... Ramming the word of God on your throat, like, relax, dude, relax. So we're in John chapter 21. Oh, a bird. I have a hard time staying focused. Focus, ranlett focus. So he's appeared to him twice. He's about to appear to him a third time here in John chapter 21. So are you ready for this? Jesus is about to come onto the scene Peter is with six other disciples, seven of them along the shore of Galilee. Remember, Peter's done anything. He's not apologized to Jesus. He's not turned back. He's forsaken Jesus. And Peter says in John chapter 21 in verse three, he says, fellas, Simon Peter said to them, I'm what? Read it. It's on the screen. I'm going what? I'm going fishing. You know what he's saying? I'm checking out. I'm checking out. He, you would think that he would be repenting, and he says, I'm checking out. Now, some theologians think there could be a, one or two things that are happening here. One is, as they think maybe Peter's just saying, I'm, I quit. I have screwed up, I've denied him, I'm discouraged, I have my guilt, I don't know what to do about it, and I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm done, I'm done with you boys. You boys do what you wanna do, but I'm going fishing. Others say that he simply wasn't ready To come back to Jesus, and he simply did that which is convenient. The convenient thing is to default back into what you knew. He knew how to fish for fish. He had forsaken his calling to fish for men, do you hear me? He had forsaken his calling to be the godly spiritual leader that God had called him to do, but I can still fish. So he says, I'm going fishing. I want to ask you today, what's the convenient thing for you to do in your life? You see, the convenient thing for most of you to do is say, let Rick do it. He's the spiritual leader. He's supposed to do that. He's the one that ought to be praying every day and reading scripture and all that, memorizing scripture, whatever it is, and those other pastors and those elders. But for me, man, I'm going to do the convenient thing. I like to play golf or I like to go to work or I like to work in the garden. You name whatever whatever it is that you like to do. But so often we find ourselves doing the convenient thing. And we might not openly say, God, I deny you. We not might not openly say, I don't know who he is, but there are times when the opportunities for, for gospel conversations open up and we turn and run. It's just like denying him, isn't it? Isn't it? It's very, very similar. Here's the point I want you to understand. It's, it, we tend to flee rather than to be spiritual leaders, rather than to lead. Do you hear that? Our tendency is to run, turn and run. Why? Because the cost and the expectations in this Christian life, they really are high, did you hear me? Following Christ is not for wimpy people. You gotta have some guts, you have to have some courage, and as the day approaches, the return of Jesus Christ approaches, so many more will forsake, did you hear that? Yes, the assembling of themselves together, they will do that, but I wanna tell you, as the evilness approaches more and more and more, it's gonna be tougher and tougher for you to take a stand. And so this message is for you today, for you to step up, step up, and be all that God has called you to do. Peter here found that it was easier to flee than it was to lead. Well, about this time they go out fishing, they're out all night again, and of course you can guess how many fish they caught. What do you think they caught this night? Same old thing. Jesus comes along the shoreline, the resurrected Jesus, They're out there fishing, they're not catching anything, and Jesus yells out to them and says, boys, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll get a great catch. Now that heard this long time before. Peter doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. They throw the nets on the right side of the boat and they take in, listen to this, they take in exactly, according to scripture, 153 fish. Go figure. Why 150? I don't know. I wonder if that's a special. Hey, let's play that in the lottery and see if we might win a million dollars. Huh? 153 fish. John, they're catching the fish, looks back and he recognizes it's Jesus. And he says, Peter, guess who that is in there that told us to throw the net on the right side? That's Jesus got his attention, because guess what happened? He thought, back there when he said forsook all to follow him, he told us to throw our nets on the other side, and we took in two boatloads of fish. I could trust him then, and all of a sudden, in that moment, you know what Peter's thinking? I can trust Jesus. Did you hear me? I can trust Jesus. Look Look what the scripture says here as we lead into this next point. Peter in, in uh, chapter 21 and verse 7, it says, When Peter heard that it was the Lord, look what he did. He, good for him. He put on his robe, put on some clothes, for he had stripped to work. Isn't that an ugly sight? <laughs> Nasty old guys out there fishing naked. <laughs> put on his tunic jumped into the water, jumped into the water and headed to shore. Where was he making a beeline to back to say it, Jesus back to Jesus. Do you see, cause he saw that he could trust Jesus. And here's the second point we can always return to Jesus. Did you hear me? Some of you feel like there are things in your life today where you have disappointed the Lord and you don't have a good handle on it, and you think, well, man, I've messed up again. I've done that before, and I've done it again. I've done it 22 times. You can always return to Jesus, do you hear me? He is loving, he is merciful, and he is gracious. You can return because Jesus is the God of the second chance. Did you hear that? He's the God of the second chance. Peter came back, listen to this. Didn't I tell you that Jesus was the servant leader? When they came into shore, they had their 153 fish. He did tell them to get some of their fish, but guess what he had already prepared for them? Breakfast. He had breakfast waiting for them. Why? Because Jesus can't violate who he is. He's a servant leader. Those boys were out there fishing, seven of them. And he says, I'll make breakfast while they're out there. And when they came into shore, there he was with the fish and had made them breakfast. And Peter had returned to Jesus. Now, now listen. Now, Jesus is about to confront Peter. He allowed the Holy Spirit to work in Peter's life to reel him in, do you hear me? Reel him in, fishing, 153 fish that they caught in this second chance, and when he reeled him in, Jesus was ready to confront him. I love, I love, I love to talk about fishing, because I hate fishing. How many, how many of you fish? Listen. I'm like, the, I'm like these boys. Listen, fishing, does it make any sense to anybody in here? You put a little something on a hook, whatever it is, another fish or just some kind of junk you put on there that the fish are supposed to like, you throw that line out there, and you just hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it. And what are you doing while you're holding it? Nothing! Let's do something. Give me a baseball to throw, a basketball to shoot, something. And you sit there and you'll reel it in a little bit at a time and you'll feel something jiggle on it. You'll yank and say, oh, I got it. You reel it. And all you have is a little, little silver hook hanging there when it comes back in. Then you put some more of that stuff on there and you throw it out there and nothing happens. And about 10 minutes later, you reel it in and you bring it up and it's still there. It's still there. This is my experience at fishing. I'm like those guys. For whatever reason, Jesus never showed up when I was fishing. I'm like... You know, if Jesus would show up and I'd get a boatload of fish, I might try it again. But the way it is for me, it's like, what a waste of time. (laughs) But these guys had an advantage. Jesus was there and they reeled those fish in. You understand that? And Peter ran to Jesus and Jesus gave him a second chance. But when he gave him a second chance, listen to what happened. It was like Peter coming to the altar of his life. When he came to the shoreline, the shoreline was like the altar where you could kneel before Jesus. And Jesus had him right where he wanted him. But now it's time to confront him because if Peter is going to be all that he can be for God, and let me translate that to you. If you want to be all you can be for God, not only do you return to him, but you have to give him your heart. Did you hear that? It always begins in the heart write that down he wants your heart because when he has your heart he has all of you follow with me this scripture this is great scripture john chapter 21 verse 15 it says so when they had eaten breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of jonah do you love me more than these he said yes lord i you know i love you he said to him feed my sheep Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, now tend to my sheep. Then verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Listen to this. Peter is now grieved in his heart because he had to say to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said again, then feed my sheep. Here was the point. Jesus had to know that he knows that he knows that he had Peter's heart. And when he got his heart, he had all of Peter. And he says, now, now I'm recommissioning you to go feed my sheep, go lead my sheep. And Peter was recommissioned to be one of the leaders in this new movement called Christianity, because he had come full cycle now from forsaking all, to forsaking Christ, to coming back to Christ. And today, you can be just like that if there's an area in your life where you have forsaken. What's, what's so important about having his heart? Because Jesus knew what it was gonna take for him to be the spiritual leader he was calling him to. You see, when you do what God calls you to do, it's gonna take sacrifice. And Jesus knew it was gonna take sacrifice. And if he doesn't have your heart, lock, stock, and what goes with that, barrel, all of the above? I don't even have a gun in my house, and I'm say lock, stock, and barrel. What's wrong with me? Shh, don't tell anybody they might rob my house. Verse 18 and 19, look what he said about Peter here. He said, following verses. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, he's talking to Peter, you girded yourself and you walked where you wish, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't wanna go. That's what they would do with old people. They take them where they don't wanna go. Verse 19, this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him again, follow me. Do you know how Peter died? He was crucified. You hear that? He would give his life. He would give his life. But because he had given Jesus his heart, listen to me, because he had given Jesus his heart, he never again turned his back on Jesus. He knew I can trust him. And he trusted him to the death. Now, I'm not suggesting you today that you're going to have to give your life for Jesus. You might, but I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting this, that to follow Christ the way he's asking us here and to be the spiritual leader that God expects you to be, he's saying it's going to take sacrifice. And your spiritual leadership will be seen by others through that sacrifice So is he asking you to sacrifice time? Yes. Did you hear that? Yes. He's asking you to sacrifice time. Where? Oh, how about right here at Big Valley Grace? This is a good place to sacrifice time. How about sacrifice time out in the community to help people out in the community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Is he asking you to sacrifice talent? Yes. Whatever he put in you, it's his. It's not yours. He gave it to you and you are to be a steward of it. So use your talents for him, where? Here at Big Belly Grinch? Yep. Children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, whatever it might be, out in the community, yes, use your talents for the Lord. Is he asking you to sacrifice your resources? Yes. Why? Because you don't own anything. It's all his. Open your wallet and pull out whatever is in it. It's not yours, it's his. He graciously allowed you to have it and you are a manager or a steward of it. So yes, invest your resources, where? How about here at Big Valley Grace? How about needy people out in the community? How about missions around the world? All of the above, he is asking us to sacrifice to be all that he wants us to be. Now you got me wound up again. (laughs) I know what you're hoping. You're hoping that I've lied to you, that this just isn't really true, that this really isn't for everybody. It's just for him and a few others in here. I think this is good news because all of us can do this. So my next point is this, God can use anybody. Did you hear that? God can use anybody. Come on, let me see your eyeballs. Look at me. Look at me. From the most uneducated to the most highly educated in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, from male to female, from the poorest to the richest in this room, God can use everybody. Did you hear that? These were fishermen that were going to change the world. Nobody believed in that day that fishermen could change the world. They were uneducated, they were untrained, they were uncouth, they didn't have a lot going for them. And how in the world were fishermen going to change the world because Jesus sees with different eyes. Jesus sees with the eyes of what they did have. You know what they did have? These were world travelers. These were guys that traveled in the known world to do their fishing. These were men that could speak multiple languages because of the different dialects they would cross. And these were businessmen. They had to be businessmen to fish and sell their fish and and do what they did to keep going. Jesus saw more in them than anybody else could see in them. And I want to say to you today that Jesus will use whatever you have. My son, Scott, that worked here with Rick for five months and then he took his first church. I don't know how many gifts he has, okay, how talented he is. I just know that we've got a son, Scott, that has done far more with his life for Jesus, than maybe what we expected. He loves sports, but he was born into our family. He was born skinny. I know I'm getting a little bit of this, okay? But suck that in. I tried. He's born skinny, slow, slow. Can't outrun anybody, all right? And a weakling. That's it, (laughs) not much there, is it? He inherited that, but he loves sports. He wanted to play basketball. Well, if you're slow (laughs) and not very strong, you're gonna get bounced around on the basketball court, aren't you? So you know what he decided to do? Take what he had and he started practicing three-pointers. He'd start throwing them in and go further and further out to where he could eventually throw them in from nearly mid-court. And before it was all over, he was on the high school basketball team and they knew what to do with him. When they needed some, when they needed to come back and needed some three pointers, put Scott in the game, throw that ball up there and, and he's gonna hit some. He didn't, wouldn't quit on it, do you hear me? He wanted to play tennis. He's slow, skinny, and weak. Now, in tennis, you throw the ball up and you hit the fool out of that sucker. You hit it as hard as you can. He hits at about 30 miles an hour. And the other guys are serving at about 90 to 100 miles an hour. But here's what he learned he could do. He could just lope back and forth across that tennis court and he could return anything they could hit at him. Just return anything. And invariably, the guy on the other end would get aggravated and he'd either serve it into the net or hit it out of bounds. And you could just see them slamming their rackets down because Scott Ramlett could return anything they would hit at him. To the degree, listen to this, to the degree that his freshman and sophomore year at Liberty University, he was on the tennis team and got a scholarship to hit the ball 30 miles an hour. (laughs) He was a sixth seed. And they knew put him six seed. he'll win all his matches because he will just outlast everybody. And here's what I learned from my own son, that God will just take what you have and he'll use it for his glory. Now my son pastors a church in Danville, Virginia, planted it seven years, it'll be seven years in October. They're not the biggest church in the world, but they've reached on an average weekend. and they reach six to 700 people. That's my son that stands up there and preaches. I'm thinking, son, you don't have much going for you. But what you give to God, God's maximizing. I want you to know that God can use anybody. Here's the verse, you'll love it. This is for you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26 and 27. For you see your calling brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty. Here you go, mighty mouse. Not many noble are called, but God has chosen the what? Any of you with me? Foolish things? Yes, amen. Give me an amen. Amen. To put uh, foolish things of the world, to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen, what's the next one? I qualify for that, of the world, to put to shame the things that are mighty. I'm looking at everybody in here. This is a message to the church, folks. God can use all of you. All of you. You're thinking like, how can I do that? I feel so weak. I feel like a loser, not a leader, big L leader, big L loser. I have the big L on my forehead. I'm the big. No, you're not. The world tells you that you're this. And God says, you're this with me. Did you hear that? This is the world. This is what God says because his spirit dwells within you. Let me tell you how I know that he can use you and how you can be empowered to do it because God's grace is sufficient. Did you hear that? God's grace is sufficient. Some of you could get up here today and give testimonies of what God's grace in your life that you don't deserve you're not worthy of it, but his grace was sufficient. This is, this is really cool how, how I'm gonna wrap this up. What, this is Acts chapter three. You don't have to look there, but in Acts chapter three, Jesus had already ascended back to heaven. The Holy Spirit had come. So the Holy Spirit is on Peter and James and John. They're in the temple, and a beggar comes to them, begging for alms. I want money, I need money, I need money, give me money, give me money. Listen to what Peter says, this is so good. Silver and gold, what's he say, have I what? None. See, God's not asking you to give what you don't have. But what I do have, I will give to you. And you know what he had? He had the power of the Holy Spirit upon him and God allowed him to have the power in Jesus' name. By the way, if you read the passage, he says, in the power of Jesus' name, I bring healing to you. And he healed that man. Do you hear that? He healed that man that day because he had the power. I believe it was a crippled man. Is that, I think it was a crippled man. Is that true? Sometimes they get blindness and crippling mixed up, but I think we, get, we healed a crippled man. Now listen to this. Not only did God give him the boldness to get over his fear, because here's what happens. Satan puts fear in your hearts. If you do this, man, no, 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 I'm too. I, 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 I'm a nobody. I can't do that. And I have fear God's grace was sufficient for Peter to overcome his fear and he healed the man. But not only did he do that, he turned to the religious rulers that were there who were scowling at him. And he said, you, you have denied the Holy one of God and have allowed a murderer to go free. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. And can you imagine what they probably said back to him? I can just see these religious rulers. Yeah. And you denied him three times. Huh? Why not? Wouldn't wouldn't that be a good thing to throw back at him? And guess what? He didn't care. You know why? Because his grace was not only sufficient for him to overcome his fear, his grace was sufficient to forgive him. God's grace had forgiven Peter. And yes, he had denied him three times, but he wasn't afraid to confront his sin and others no longer because that wasn't his sin. He had been freed from it. And I want you to know today that Satan is in this room right now trying to convince some of you that you are too bad, your past is miserable, you can't be all that you need to be for God because you are all messed up. And I want you to know this morning that God's grace is sufficient to forgive you. Amen? Amen. Don't you ever forget that. So today my challenge is to you is, is be Everything God has called you to be. And for some of you, the starting point today will be to ask God to forgive you of your past that you can move forward. Father in heaven, thank you for your word today. Would you take your word and multiply it and do what you want to do in the lives of these believers here today. And we'll praise you for it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Give it up.
0: You know... Over in the venue and everybody in here, let me just share a thought with you and make sure you have your Bibles open there to John 21. So here you got this moment when Jesus says, hey, Peter, follow me. And the overwhelming majority of us in this room and over in the venue and watching online, you've heard that. You've given your life to Christ. Maybe you didn't hear those exact words. But there was a moment when you said, I'm going to become a follower of Christ. God drew you to himself. You surrendered your life over to Christ. And the likelihood's pretty good that also like Peter, there comes a moment where you forsook him. You blew him off. Just like Peter did. I'll follow you. Oh, he forsakes him. And there's this one line in here where it says, and look at verse 15. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And there's only. As Doug said last night, there's only two options there. The these were the fish. Do you love me more than the fish? More than what they represent? Uh, your job, your career, the money that they bring in, and, and the materialistic things that you can get from that? Could be that. Or it could be your, your buddies, your friends. The these had to be either be the, the fish or they had to be the buddies that were there. Do you like me more than hanging out with your friends and all of that? And, 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 and what a great question that we all have to wrestle around with. Because it's the these in our lives that get in the way. And I don't, I don't know what the these are in your life. Be an interesting moment if Jesus could come and say, let me recreate this in your life. Do you love me more than the golf course? Do do, do you love me more than your 401k? Do you love me more than, I don't know what it is that can get in the way of us really being the, the spiritual leaders that God wants us to be. I don't know what it is. But I'll share this with you, and I may have shared it with you before. One of the things that I was really attracted to about Big Valley Grace was the sports leagues when I first gave my life to Christ. And we still have great sports leagues, and I got involved with softball, and I played softball with, with many of you, and I really loved it because I loved sports so much. I loved baseball, and man, I could play softball, and, and all of that kind of stuff, and Man, and it was great. And as time went on, I got involved in, in ministry here at Big Valley Grace. But I, now I was playing a lot of softball and I was... Uh, playing at a pretty high level of softball, and when you play softball, even if you go out to Rainbow Fields, you gotta get there about an hour early, you know, and you kinda get loose, and, and then the game's about an hour or so, and, and then you hang out with uh, the players for a little bit afterwards, so you're gonna blow about three hours out there, and, and then you got practices, you know, and then if you're in a tournament, then that's all weekend long, playing games. and. Um, I was married to my first wife, and those of you that are visiting with us, uh, my first wife passed away in a car accident, but there there came a moment when I did not have a a, a good marriage. Uh, I had a great ministry. Wow, it was great. But man, because of softball, I was gone a lot. Just gone a lot and it was impacting my, my life, my marriage. It was impacting my, my spiritual life. It just started to impact a lot. And I, don't, I didn't hear those words, okay? But I heard those words. What do you love more, Rick? Do you love the softball? It's not evil. Fishing's not evil. Do you love me more than these? It's not evil. Hey, your buddies are great guys. In fact, they're such great guys. I'm going to use them to change the world too, but what do you love more? Jesus said, you know what? (laughs) I come number one. I come before your parents, your mother, your father, your husbands, your wives, your children. You got to love me more than anything. And I had to wrestle around with, what do I love more? And I knew what the these was in my life, it was softball. And I remember um, as if it was yesterday. I thought Doug made me think about it last night. I remember getting in my car. My wife and I had a two seater uh, Honda CRX, and I drove it out to Rainbow Fields. And I met up with a coach. I was playing on a very high level team out there. I said, and I knew how many players were on our team, and I said, Coach, I want you to know I'm, I'm done playing. And he goes, well, like, like today, you mean? <laughs> and I said, no, no, not today. I'm done playing. Well, are you okay? I'm fine. I remember coming home, making a few other phone calls to some other teams that I played on, and I let them all know I'm done. And literally, that was 20. I don't know, 20 plus years ago. And I never picked up a softball glove, never played in another softball game since. Literally. Never played in another game since. Not that softball was evil. It wasn't evil. I just knew it was something I had to deal with with the Lord. I knew for me it was one of the these that was keeping me from being what God wanted me to be. And did I miss it? Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. When my daughter started playing softball, you know, I picked up a mitt for the first time in I don't even know how long. I'm at the age now where I've been invited to play on the the old guys' teams. (laughs) You know, hey, you wanna come out and play? And that's where they hand out Ben Gay to everybody. (laughs) All right, uh, let's get loose. And you don't, getting loose in that league isn't playing catch, getting loose. It's okay, everybody, Bengay your knees up. Okay, I'm good. Give me some Tylenol. All right, let's start the game, you know. Pinch runners on everything, you get, you know. If you can make it to first, woo-hoo, and we'll put a runner in for you. And I, I, I just don't play. And like I said, it's not because it was evil. The fish weren't evil. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your friends? That's a question, I want you to know something, that believers have to wrestle around with. Because there might be something in your life that's keeping you from being what God wants you to be. The husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, the mom, the dad, the servant down here. The servant in the community. Maybe there's not. I know for me, there was that moment. Wow. And uh, it, it, it wasn't easy. But I knew that the Lord was having a moment with me. I know you love softball. You love it so much, you love it more than me. And yes, you pray before games and you pray after games and you fellowship. You do a lot of really great things at softball. But I know it's more important than me. And um, my decision was, I'm done with it. Done. And let me just tell you, did my marriage improve? It's a no-brainer. Absolutely. Everything improved in my life. And what a great question for us all to wrestle around with. You've heard the voice of the Lord, follow me. But maybe there's one or two or six of you here, and you know what? You've, for whatever reason, kind of walked away from the Lord. You're here, but maybe there's something that's gotten in the way. And for you, the better thing would be to say, God, would you reveal to me what the these is in my life? That I might be all that you want me to be. Father, thanks Lord for my friend, Doug. And Jane, Lord, thank you for reminding us of Peter. What a great man he was. And yet he fumbled the ball around so much. That gives us all hope that we can fumble the ball around and you're so good and great that if we would just repent, you're there. You want to use us all, God. Give us a great afternoon and I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, Amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Live for Jesus.